Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 7-16-2017. Good evening, Alex. How are you this week? Good. How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. By the way, my name is Shan Johnson. I'm a board member. This is Alex Clark. He is the executive director of CASA. Um, so what is new and exciting this week, Alex? Well, um, I think we talked about this last week, okay. uh, the comment on uh, FDA's proposed rule for smokeless tobacco products. Yeah. And I'm looking at all of the submissions. There was a little, I was over, I was say 7,683 nice. have been posted to the docket. Um, I'm not exactly sure how long the delay is. Uh, there's lots of stuff in here from the 14th. Um, so I saw that just glancing over these, it looks like um, several people participated through our engagement and obviously we filed our own um there is a link to that on our um website um some other notable comments for people to look at uh clive bates and david sweener um brad radu of course um i believe submitted a couple of comments um carl phillips formerly um, CASA's scientific director. Mm-hmm. Um, he submitted, he took like three parts. Uh, he, he kind of broke his comment into three parts on his blog and right. then submitted them as a comment. So um, you can either read that at antithrlies.com uh, or um, on the on the docket. Okay. Um, Brian Foydick from Reason. Um, Bill Godshall, a longtime proponent of smokeless tobacco, also submitted a comment. So, um, and even Greg Conley from the American Vaping Association uh, <laughs> submitted a comment. Nice. Um, so, yeah, lots of good stuff to check out on the docket uh, for those who are interested. Uh, the easiest way to find it is mm-hmm. to search the docket ID. Okay. which is FDA dash 2016 dash N dash two five two seven. Okay. And we can put that in the notes. Um, but uh, lots of, lots of comments regarding uh, the fact that FDA went about this totally inappropriately. I mean, the, 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 the standard aside, the way that they, released this rule by not going through the advanced notice of proposed rulemaking process um, sort of demands that they um, uh, withdraw the the rule. Um, And also, of course, you know, there, there is uh, the, I guess, I guess you can, I'm trying to avoid the word definitely or uh, clearly, but uh, there was some advance notice given to the the usual suspects in tobacco control, the body parts groups and uh, campaign for tobacco free kids. Essentially a a coalition letter was posted to the docket within hours, I believe of it being published. So, um, you know, uh, clearly very. I was thinking about that, right? So mm-hmm. most of the people who work for the Center for Tobacco Products, right, they would be aunties, wouldn't they? Like when I say aunties, like they would have formerly worked for the Body Part Syndicate or, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, or, you know, any of the uh, Save the Children groups, um, because those are people who have an actual interest in, in the prohibition of these products. So they, they would be attracted to work in this field, correct? I'm I'm not exactly sure what everybody's work history is. I think it is reasonable to assume that yeah. I mean no, no matter where they're coming from right. um well, professionally it it's it's it, you know they've worked for this aid there are thousands of of basically bureaucrats uh, just yes. employees at mm-hmm. at uh, FDA and Center for Tobacco Products. Right. And these are folks who have worked for the agency under the Obama administration, which, you know, created anybody at Center for Tobacco Products, their entire department was created under the Obama administration. Sure. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, I mean, for at least one administration, um, they they've you know they're carrying over that anti-tobacco, um, sure. you know, prohibitionist uh, approach to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that people would still talk to other people there, whether it was an actual leak or an oops. I mean, I think it's probably they will claim that it was a slip up if they're pressed on it. If they ever claimed anything, if they ever copped to it, they would say that, oh, you know, it was a slip up. Somebody said something to somebody and it just spread like wildfire. Um, but I don't think they would ever admit that they did it deliberately. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you could, I, that's, I think the other way to look at it possibly is that, you know, there, there is this narrative and, and I think Australia is probably the most recent example. Um, there, there is the, even San Francisco, uh, the <laughs> big fights that we, the, well, the, the most headline grabbing fights that we've seen lately. Um, you know, there's this narrative that's put out to the public that, you know, the tobacco companies are, are big and evil and all powerful or, or mighty, whatever, you know, however right. you want to describe that. And mm -hmm. so as, as we, the little people, you know, we have to take advantage of, of whatever edge we can get. So okay. if that means someone within Center for Tobacco Products tipping off or actually collaborating with the body parts groups, um, you know, to, to some extent, I think they'll find a way not to, you know, make an excuse for it, but to justify it rationalize yeah. it and say you know we have to do this to defend ourselves from from the evil tobacco companies uh <laughs> and and they'll and, and you know the public will buy that it's you know yeah they, they, they you know i i i'm not gonna stand here and be an apologist for tobacco companies but i, I think there is a there's some there's a realization that we all, I think, need to at least um, entertain. And that okay. is that, uh, you know, the tobacco companies, number one, are in the best position to introduce and promote low-risk tobacco and nicotine products. Right. They've already got the infrastructure. They've got the supply chain. They've got, you know, they've got the talent working in the labs and so on. Right. Um, they could totally do this. Second, it's in their interest to do this. I mean, mm -hmm. financially, yeah, the cigarette is the most profitable product that they make. Right. But in terms of being able to continue as a company, repairing their reputation and, uh, you know, being able to continue selling a product that adults enjoy, right. um, you know, it makes sense for them to move to the low risk end of yeah. the scale. But, you know, of course, ironically, uh, or, and perhaps quite intentionally, the tobacco control act is making that more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. So, you know, on one hand, the uh, anti-tobacco folks can sort of perpetuate the, the boogeyman, <laughs> yeah. boogeyman tobacco, um, yeah. and, and on the other hand, they've, they've, well, at the same time, they've, uh, managed to secure, uh, their, their position in the world as guardians of public health. Yeah. Um, can I make a reading recommendation? Actually not even a reading recommendation, just a, a show recommendation. Okay. It's a Nova show called the search for a safer cigarette. I think I've seen that. And that doesn't, okay. that, it was back in 2001. Yes. But and the, the, they they actually go sort of into the lab at Reynolds, and there's yeah. a guy with like a really thick um, German or Swedish accent, and he's yeah. talking about he's basically they're talking about you know what goes into making a, a an cigarette. electronic cigarette. Yeah, and, that, an electronic cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the interesting thing about that, and this is just from memory, so I'll have to look this up. Somewhere in Legacy Library, which is everybody's favorite, um, Stanton Glantz. Mm -hmm. um, that's his, his baby is Legacy Library. So it's all these tobacco con company documents that they were forced to give up to 
um, Stanton and his people um, as part of a settlement that they made with the government. So that's how they got their hands on, on all these documents. Anyway, somewhere in there is a meeting between Reynolds scientists and Reynolds board. And they're talking about um, they've found a way to reduce the carcinogen load that people are inhaling with these, these filters that are um, impregnated with polonium or it's a metal. It's a, I don't understand it, but you know, and they're talking about how good it would be to release it. And the few people who are like the head of the Reynolds board are going, they'll never let us do it. They will never let us do it. We, we will only ever be able to sell these tobacco products that kill people because the the activists will never get up and get engaged. So they knew even back then that they were going to have a hard time trying to sell reduced risk products just with the way the body parts coalitions sort of have run amok hand in hand with the government. Yeah. And I, I can actually hear in my head the, the, the response to that of, you know, I, I would assume that the, the tobacco companies would market that as an, a new and improved filter or, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, they wouldn't even have to market it at all. They would just have to change the product. Yep. Um, but if they wanted, you know, if, if, if Reynolds in particular was the company that came out with this product, you would want to get that edge over the, the rest of the field yep. um, and say, you know, our filters don't have this horrible metal in them anymore. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the proponents of the Tobacco Control Act would say you can't, say that. you can't make any statements that make it sound like your product is lower risk. Yeah. Because, you know, et cetera. So, yeah. They, they even said back then the only way they would have any sort of victory would be if the activists got up in the faces of the government and they didn't see it happening. I think we see it happening now, at least a little bit more than they ever pictured it happening. Well, maybe that's why um, so many people are impressed with what's happening with vaping. Uh, and it's... And, it, and it's not just, you know, folks that, that we've talked to who, who work in D.C. Um, and, and work with uh, the tobacco companies, um, yeah. you know, even even researchers, you know, the, the, the work we, we recently uh, helped uh, a couple of researchers out with a, a survey. Mm -hmm. We did that on Thursday. Sure. And uh, they didn't really need a whole lot of respondents. They needed like 100 people to respond. But uh, I posted it up on our main Facebook page. No email. Um, didn't really, I don't even, I don't remember if I, I guess it got shared a couple of places. Um, but uh, I mean, with minimal effort, posted that up. And within a, a few hours, they had everybody that they had more than they needed. Um, and, and this has been a pattern with, you know, any kind of, you know, survey type uh studies or you know any kind of studies that come along the, the community is eager eager yes. to tell their story yeah. um and so we have uh you know we don't have millions of people engaged but we, we do have i think an above average um yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're an above average group <laughs> I, think so. I do think so i mean most groups hope for three percent we're doing better than that i think yeah which is, good. which which is really kind of weird because I'm uh, you know this weekend I'm preparing for um, our trip to DC. Sure. Uh, we are Julie and I are participating in uh, the Vapor Technology Association VTA um, VTA's uh, uh, annual conference and uh, Hill Day in, okay. in DC. Mm -hmm. And what what I'll be talking about is getting people engaged at the local level. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so it, it, it is kind of interesting to, to have this conversation about the vaping community being very engaged. Um, and then to also think about the struggles that we're having at the local level, yeah. um, you know, for state fights and for the federal stuff, it, it is actually pretty easy for us to get, you know, a, a few hundred emails, uh, you know, a, a dozen or so phone calls, um, 
you know, tons of phone calls to uh, various uh, members of Congress. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to actually showing up at a city council hearing, the, the participation just drops to the floor. Um, I think a lot of that is when they're held too. Alex, I mean, most vapors are going to be like most smokers were basically working class people. True. Yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, there's a time of day problem. There is a, a, a notice problem. You know, a lot oh, of times yeah. we're not getting notice on this until 24 hours before it happens. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, and depending on the area now, you know, it, it varies from, from location to location. Mm -hmm. um you know certain areas seem to be a bit more engaged than others um but uh you know there there has been this um i I think it's 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 natural i think that that people are inclined to pay attention to the higher profile um issues so something at the state level that affects potentially millions of people will will garner a lot more attention and participation than something at a municipal level that you know we're only talking about you know 20 to 20 to 30,000 people something like that um yeah. for your small to mid-sized cities mm-hmm. um so you know it, it is more difficult to you you have a smaller pool of people to uh to draw from yeah so but yeah just a, a an interesting you know uh shift of gears there and and that's really where we you know we, we've known for years that, that the local level is where um a lot of these policies get started it's just that you know now um i think with more resources and more of these local fights gaining more traction uh, it's become more important for uh people to get engaged with their you know municipal government so um so yeah, I'll be. I don't want to talk too much about that because uh, that's. I don't know if it's going to be really exclusive content for the the conference. I, I do have okay. a slide presentation that I'm I'm hoping to make public, um, but all of this sure. stuff is is already out there in the world. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're inclined, um, you know, it, whether you like it or not, uh, the folks over at Indivisible, um, whether that's your those are your political stripes or not. Um, those, this site was put together by folks who have worked on campaigns, worked in offices, uh, worked at, you know, grassroots community organizing type stuff. And they have put together right. a guide for folks to get involved. And it starts, you know, that the easiest way for people to get involved is at the local level. So there's a lot of good information there. Um, Absolutely. and, um, of course, you know, if, if, if political stripes are important for you, uh, the tea party movement was, very uh, important to changing how people interacted with government um, and and organizing folks. So lots of lessons to be taken from some, some of these movements in the past. Um, and of course, you know, make sure you're registered to vote. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see the other thing I, I didn't take any notes before I came on because I wasn't sure if we were going to do this today. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I did want to mention, I, I kind of updated, I, I didn't send anything out because I didn't do it until Friday. Um, but uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the Senate bill, Senate bill 508 um, there there's, I don't want to say a renewed push, but maybe a need for an extra push to get this bill moving from, from what I understand um, the, the general Pennsylvania general assembly is supposed to be going on their summer break. Uh, okay. Either. I, I assume it's this coming week. Um, that would be the week of the 17th. Um, but they're being kept on, I guess what is called a six hour call. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, I guess if they, you know, call everybody back to Harrisburg, you've got six hours to get there or you're in trouble, right. um, which I don't know what that means because Pennsylvania actually has, is, it's a, a known, uh, ghost votes are sort of a known <laughs> thing there. Um, 
so uh, ghost riding the vote. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so this this is an opportunity to urge support for SB 508 and try to get it to a hearing. And okay. the last known position of this, I believe it was being called back to appropriations. Um, not entirely, or yeah, the appropriations committee. There was some negotiating going on with this. Um, it, it is introduced. It was introduced at five cents per milliliter of e-liquid. Um, okay. But people are looking at the numbers on that and saying it's just too much of a reduction. Uh, it, it's then then they're just not buying it and. Uh, I, I'm not entirely clear on the data for what they've actually collected. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've heard a few different numbers uh, and I, I have not been in close enough contact with the folks in Pennsylvania really to know, mm -hmm. to give details. I have heard that on, on one account, I've heard that Pennsylvania collected more than they had expected and they adjusted their projections <laughs> um, which is a bad move. It's just a bad, it's just, that's just bad math. I mean, right. you know, yeah, sure. Like in your first couple months of implementing this ridiculous tax, it's reasonable to assume that it's going to be very high. Uh, you, you, the returns are going to be very high because you still have people who are in business mm -hmm. and you have lots of consumers who haven't figured out ways around the tax yet. It's, it's, you know, the quarters that follow that, that will make or break your, your projections. And so uh, going forward, it'd be interesting to see uh, and what a lot of people expect to happen is that uh, the state will not collect as much as they think they do. And if they've raised their projections they're I mean, that's, that's a great way to guarantee failure. So, well, I mean, for instance, just look at what city was it? that passed the soda tax and had to lay off 300 oh. people. Flunkadelphia. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when you raise your projections for something that doesn't sell very well, and then you go to raise the tax, and then you don't get what you expected to get, what you get is layoffs. So, uh, perhaps yeah, they I should think, think about that. God. Yeah, I, th I think Philly might have been the, the example of, you know, where... Uh, the city initially got very high returns on, on their tax. And then um, the following quarter or the, the next month was just down in the dumps. And it actually ended like the first reports came in and they were above their projections. And then the next reports came in and they went back down below their projection of, oh, yeah. of revenue. So um, that's, it's certainly a possibility with, with Pennsylvania's vapor tax. Um, yeah. But still, you know, they're, they're looking at this saying that's, you know, you're not giving us enough money. Um, when is the state ever going to get enough money? I mean, <laughs> even if they legalize marijuana, I, I'm sure Pennsylvania will find a way to set money on fire. Um, so I don't, know. I don't know about that. I have a friend who lives in Seattle and they got a refund on their property tax plus a thousand dollars this year. So I mean, great. it does, That's, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, Washington, um, the folks in Olympia care. Pennsylvania, on the other hand, uh, I'm sure they'll just you know build another road somewhere. <laughs> Time um, to build a golden idol. <laughs> yeah, I I believe Pennsylvania may actually have the original road to nowhere. <laughs> um, anybody who lives in Pennsylvania knows. I mean, that state is covered in roads. Um, the, the joke in Harrisburg is that, you know, I don't think PennDOT has ever seen a road they didn't like. Um, and I actually, you know, I lived in Lancaster County for a while and there was this massive bypass project that was supposed to be built. Um, it got held up because there were farmers that were just not willing to um, sell their land. Right. But there's this like, there's this stretch of road that is, it's like a big highway and it just ends abruptly. It doesn't go anywhere. And they, they graded the land and they, there's actually kind of, you know, highway bridges that were, I think some of them got built, uh, but it's just this massive incomplete project, um, you know, and you know, whatever, uh, it didn't necessarily achieve any of its goals. 
Um, so uh, that's not the original road to nowhere. Maybe, maybe they, I don't know if they had the bridge to nowhere, the bridge to nowhere I thought is maybe that's Alaska. <laughs> anyway, there's, there are several of these road projects all over the country that are just, you know, they had the money and they needed to spend it. So they built a road to around. nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, Pennsylvania has its issues. Uh, I don't know if any amount of money is going to fix that. But uh, so, yeah, the the new bill, um, I, I haven't actually looked. I, I didn't see any updated language. Maybe I, I'm um, wrong about that. I only see one printer's number. So um, it is possible that we're still talking about five cents per milliliter. Um, but... Uh, well... I know, according to people who are actually good public health scientists, <laughs> anything but 0% tax on a smokeless tobacco product is what they consider um, regressive taxation on the poor. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, me too. So, yeah, just to confirm, uh, you know, the way that the bill is written and presented on the website, uh, on the Pennsylvania site uh it's mm -hmm. still at five cents per milliliter okay but uh the 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 knowledge that the, the information that i got was that uh they will actually be talking about seven and a half cents per milliliter so um <sighs> yeah which is still i mean it's still better it's still better than a 40 percent wholesale tax on everything that makes pennsylvania businesses uncompetitive and unable to stay open so yeah. um true so at least this is a move in the right direction and you know with it, it, as long as it gets as long as the tax gets rolled down to something small mm -hmm. um you know i think as we move forward it will make it easier you know for for states to to get rid of it completely that's yeah. now i'm being very pollyanna um, <laughs> but you know, let's just, we should get that message out there of, you know, look, don't, don't get too dependent on such high taxes on these products because once you see all of the information that is coming out and will be coming out over the next five to 10 years, right. you're not going to want to tax these products because you're going to look like evil bastards. <laughs> so yeah. you'll be on the wrong side of history with that one, buddy. Big time. That, that's kind of the message. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, I know what is brand spanking new. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't think we spoke about this last time. Um, okay. The uh, effort in San Francisco to uh, repeal the flavor ban. Okay. Did we talk about that last week? We talked a little bit about it. Um, uh, get real san francisco yes let's be real san francisco okay um and uh this is a an effort to uh get a referendum on the ballot to repeal the flavor ban ordinance okay um and basically what happens is um 19,000 and some change signatures need to be gathered by San Francisco residents. Uh, and then the uh, signatures will be validated and uh, the referendum will be approved. Okay. Once the referendum is approved, the law is stopped in its tracks. Okay. Um, now this law was not set to go into effect until April of 2018. Right. So um, this will stop it from going into effect period. Uh, and the referendum is placed on the next, uh, I believe, mayoral election, general okay. election uh, for San Francisco, which is in okay. 2018. From That's what I awesome. Understand. So, uh, and it sounds like there are signature gatherers out and about. Somebody had reported they saw signature gatherers in front of a vape shop at like 8 o'clock at night uh, okay. the other day. And so... Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's happening, and awesome. it's a very high confidence that this will get the signatures. Um, so uh, anybody listening in San Francisco, make sure you are registered to vote mm -hmm. and uh, that you can, uh, yeah, 
the sign. I'm sure if you go to your local vape shop, you'll see people gathering signatures um, and sign sign the the petition. And and I guess if not, you could always message um, message Stefan Didak. Yeah, send. Oh man, sorry, Stefan. <laughs> sorry, uh, Stefan. But uh, Stefan Didak, uh, S T E F A N. <laughs> D-I-D-A-K uh, of not blowing smoke. Yes. We'll be happy to answer your questions about the Let's Be Real San Francisco campaign. Um, I don't know if he knows where like signature takers are going to be right. uh, stationed, but um, Hey, yeah. you could probably get you set up to take to gather signatures yourself while you're signing your own petition. Maybe. I don't you know. know. I don't know how that works. I know that, uh, yeah. There's some there's some arrangements already for that. So, um, awesome. yeah, but uh, yeah, so there are uh, I, I'm not exactly sure where everything is at in terms of people donating. Um, I, I don't think they're they're not soliciting donations for this yet. Okay. Um, someone else is already paying for a good part of this. Uh, and you can find out all of that on the, the literature. Um, CASA is a we are a non-financial supporter of the initiative of the, this initiative. Um, so, uh, yeah, happy to promote that and, and get this done. Um, that flavor ban is horrible. It is, but I mean, this is from the same state that banned chocolate milk in school lunches. So I just, yeah, I saw, I I didn't read the article, but I saw that pop up and I was just, I just kind of, you know, eye roll and was like, yeah, that's, (laughs) it's, it's infantilizing. It's infantilizing people. It's infantilizing people and treating them like school children. That's got to be galling but isn't it treating school children like school children well it's treating school children like prisoners but it's treating <laughs> adults like school children so it's it's all it, it all has to do with that i guess i don't know but it's it's pretty messed up yeah. and i'm sure some some diabolical little kid is going to make a ton of money buying nestle quick and getting the little uh, ziploc snack bags and smuggling in just enough to make milk chocolatey for the kids at school. Do they make like a a chocolate milk that doesn't turn brown? No. I I sense a a business opportunity for some enterprising youngster. If you yeah. can develop a white powdered chocolate milk mix, um, <laughs> you can you probably make pay, money. You could probably pay for college. Oh, yeah. um, and definitely, uh, you know, make sure you document all of that and then submit <laughs> it as a paper. You will probably get a full ride through college. So, um, probably. Uh, if you're, if you're a child in San Francisco and you happen to be listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, go for it. Good luck. <laughs> and... oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> There's somebody funny. out there right now just waving their fist. You think this is funny? Yeah, Children are getting tooth disease and, and high blood good. pressure and they're obese. And I, I don't, I don't disagree. I, at every turn, I'm like, you know, my, I'm just like, don't, I, I've stopped eating sugar. You know, I've, I've lost a lot of weight in the past right. couple months. So I'm totally on board with the, like, you know, limit the amount of sugar that people take. But, but. I am not, I am not in the camp of you need to make a a law about it. That, that is just, I mean, that and that and their children, you want children to lose weight, reinstate recess. It's a thought. It's a radical thought, but let children go outside and play in, in the, the sun and the rain and, you know, all kinds of weather and, and they will be, you know, trim little guys and gals. Did, did San Francisco do away with recess? Oh, I, I mean, think for, for, a, every... a, for a city where the average temperature year round is like 68 degrees, I would think that you would just do everything outside. Yeah, I mean, I would too, but every other school has pretty much done away with recess. In fact, like when they do the free breakfast, I know this because my sister's a teacher, um, the kids come in and they get breakfast at their desk so that they can start working right away. They don't have recess anymore. God, that's horrible. Isn't that terrible? Can you I mean, imagine that? That's that's how I mean when I had uh, when I had uh my other job, that's mm-hmm. what I would do. Like I, I usually eat breakfast around like ten or ten thirty in the morning. Right. And I would I would walk over to the subway restaurant and get, you know, their breakfast thing. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> the sandwich before you know i gotta get it before 11 a.m mm-hmm. and uh and i would come back to my desk in the office and sit down and eat and work at the same time yeah and that's like one of the most unhealthy things that you can do like mentally spiritually and physically physically that it's is really, just, just it's, bad news it's really bad for kids it really yeah. is I mean, it was it, bad for adults i mean it's bad for everybody yeah yeah we should you know we should make laws against taking recess away from kids and then if you're going to give them a free breakfast they should have time before school to eat it I mean, yeah. they've got to have some time between this stuff and let their brains breathe and be children, and we just don't allow that, which is a shame. Got completely off topic there. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, all of this ties into, you know, the state running people's lives and that, you know, child-to-factory work pipeline, school-to-factory yeah. school, school to factory worker pipeline um, and whatnot, yeah. whatever it is. We're all just cogs in the same machine, you know. <laughs> it's it's the wall we live in pink floyd's the wall <laughs> there you go yeah um yeah so anyway <laughs> bring things back around anything okay. uh, people can do uh it, of course you can sign up uh sign the petitions that are circulating in san francisco to get the referendum on the ballot and stop this nonsense um yes. and uh, we'll have more updates i'm sure about that going forward um speaking speaking of just horrible policies that are being proposed at the local level Mm -hmm. um minnesota is the recent um flare up i know i know i've mentioned this before but uh i tobacco 21 kings (laughs) yeah uh there is a meeting in st louis park tomorrow um and I don't know why I don't have my information updated with time, uh, probably because I got this message on the train and I didn't get around to updating this sheet. Okay. But um, it's the city council and the Tobacco 21 and Flavor Ban. Now, when I say Flavor Ban in Minnesota, most of these are basically they're banning the sales of flavored tobacco products in convenience stores, gas stations, and so on. And then okay. they're, and they're restricting the sales to adult only facilities. Um, so that, you know, that effectively is a vape shop exemption. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the totally extreme version like we have in San Francisco. Um, which I just, I think at every turn I should state that what San Francisco is doing is not innovative or thinking outside of the box and no one should buy that nonsense. And I can't believe that tobacco control idiots are talking about it like that. There is no (laughs) prohibition is not innovation. No, it's not. Prohibition is how people get killed. So prohibition is how how you get Al Capone. Yeah. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, so St. Louis park meets tomorrow evening, which is Monday, Monday, the 17th. So okay. I mean, we're probably not going to post this up until tomorrow. So, um, uh, if, if, if we get this out in the morning, uh, it's happening tonight, okay. Mon- Monday, the 17th. Um, and, uh, it is on the consent agenda. Um, and I, I will mention these two names again, because these two women have been doing a great deal of work in Minnesota trying Mm -hmm. to get to city council hearings and speak, um, trying to organize people to go and they're doing a tremendous job. Um, uh, uh, Skip Murray and Jenny, I know her last name is not Ho as an H O it's, 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 it's more than that, but Jenny Ho is, is uh, how I know her on Facebook. Um, And so these, these two women have been uh, keeping me up to date on what's happening in Minnesota and um, trying to organize people there. Um, and a lot of, some of these are very small towns and I don't have, we don't have contact information. We don't, or like it's not automatic in our system. Right. Um, and, and there's a lot of them. So uh, I think I counted these up um, the other night. Uh, oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> I have one cell here. That's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cities in here, all for tobacco 21. Um, so that's just one cell and there's, um, at least half a dozen more. So, you know, we're looking at well over a dozen, 15 or so, um, 
cities that range from Minneapolis all the way down to, to small towns that are looking at Tobacco 21. Some of them are doing an indoor place ban. Some of them are doing the menthol ban or flavor ban. Um, and a few of these have been pushed back uh, to September. So Robbinsdale has been pushed back to September. Okay. Um, a couple are sort of continuing uh, their discussions or public hearings in August. Um, and the next big one will be Minneapolis. Um, and that is on July 24th. And that is next Monday. Okay. So, yeah, Minnesota. Just <laughs> being Minnesota, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember them doing this before. Tobacco control must be trying a new tactic. Well, um, Minnesota has, uh, I think, doesn't Minnesota have a very active chapter of Americans for Non-Smokers Rights? Well, they do, but they also have um, something else. What's it called? GASP? G-A-S-P? That's New Jersey. No, 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 but they, they had their own GASP. They had oh, their own... GASP. GASP metastasized. Yeah, yeah it, it had spread to other places. I know they were very active there. But it, it it wasn't just like central New Jersey or anything like that. It was a national chapter of gasp. And I think that has gone away or it's been absorbed into the other tobacco control entities. I wonder if the I wonder if the executive director for Minnesota Gasp makes uh over a hundred thousand dollars like the New Jersey executive director does. I would assume. You know, I think the executive directors tend that well. Except for Casa. <laughs> um, not that we're a tobacco control entity by any means, but, um, you know, except for the true grassroots movements, executive directors in tobacco control make ridiculous amounts of money. They always have. They live in beautiful houses, they drive amazing cars, and they don't have any bills. So, of course, they're motivated to keep doing what they're doing. Nice. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, whatever. I'm happy with my, my salary and, uh, happy to do this work. Well, you're, but you're doing, I mean, to throw it out there, whether you believe or not, you're doing God's work. Now you're on the right side of history. How can you not be happy with that? I like being on the right side of history. That's yeah, me too. That's a, it's a good side to be on. Yeah. Um, just being a part of history, I think, is is important. So, yeah. Um, so, yay. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Minnesota, keep on the lookout for updates if you live in Minnesota. And I am sort of, I, I, I apologize for not doing what I feel is the best job at, at getting this stuff out there. It, it has been... Um, a bit of a, a juggling act here but trying to of, get the of, God. I was just going to say it's, it's kind of a juggling act trying to keep up with what is being introduced and where and when and actually getting a hold of some of these ordinances is difficult um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know again uh, Jenny and Skip are doing a phenomenal job in Minnesota Awesome. Uh, but uh, as far as me being able to put Casas resources to good use, um, I think they're probably doing a better job of it than I am. So, um, well, but you're drowning. I mean, not, not for nothing. I mean, you're you're out there with your water wings on and your little floaty, but it's still you're you're swimming in the ocean. It's a little bit easier to do it when you're just wading in the middle of a very large pond. We're, we're going to have to bring that up at the next uh, board meeting. Kasa water wings. <laughs> and <laughs> pool floaties. Yeah. <laughs> that would be Kasa, kind of Kasa pool noodles. <laughs> I like it. And <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, we can have uh, printed on there, be on the right side of history. There you go. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll pass muster, but I like it. Yeah. But I think you're, I think you're you're doing a good job, Alex, considering what you're waiting through. And yeah. you know, 
You do. You work hard. Thank you. I do. I, uh, thank you. For what? <laughs> For keeping it real. For um, what? I, I, I just do this. This is all I do. And this is important. Um, this is good. And we, I've noticed that, uh, we've picked up some people, you know, more people following, awesome. uh, our podcast. So it, it's good to keep this going. Um, I did want to, so to close on a, on a, on a, on a brighter note, okay. um, I've actually, you know, we haven't put out a whole lot of polls and surveys and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, this is something that I really kind of want to get into. I, I like okay. the idea of engaging people on basic and very fun um, things like taking a quick three question survey. So um, anybody who signed up for our, our newsletter and, you know, following our website or social media um, be on the lookout for these, these simple questions. Um, You know, we need to, with, uh, you know, an association with over 200,000 members, we need to get to know people better. And I think that there's also some useful information out there um, that, that we can use to tailor, uh, strategy and engagements and, and other things. So, um, you know, and I, and I think it's something that people will enjoy doing and not get burned out on. So, um, I real, just to kind of put a tool to use, uh, this evening, I put out a very quick two question, two and two, one question poll, uh, okay. with two and two possible and one possible of two answers. Okay all those numbers don't matter. Uh, the point is it is a one question poll. And the question is simply, do you know how to find contact information for your city and County elected officials? And, uh, I'm hoping to uh, incorporate this in my presentation on Tuesday. Um, because I, my, my suspicion is that most people don't, but considering the audience that we're targeting, which is CASA members, uh, I think that the, the results may be skewed to, to, uh, most people actually do. And um, so I'm just kind of curious to see what the, what the responses are. And I don't know if I get to peek at the uh, results so far. Um, let's see if I can see the results as of now. Okay. So as of now, most people say yes, which is good. You're still there. Okay, good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's good, but we're only talking about what 25, 25 people participated in the poll so far. So um, yeah. Uh, and this was shared actually amongst some, you know, highly engaged people. Um, so yeah. Uh, but, you know, just to, just to an example of things looking forward to, you know, what, what we'll be doing in the, um, yeah, it's a good thing. It's it's better to know who you who who you are most engaged with and what you can do to help them than guessing. Yeah, yeah. These aren't going to be terribly or at all sciency um, and and not really used for any serious analysis other than our own, um, you know, in, in, internal 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 purposes. Um, but, uh, yeah, everybody loves filling out polls. I, I guess I wish that we could be the fun group. That's like, what kind of toppings do you like on your cheeseburger? Um, <laughs> but you know, we're not, so there'll be slightly more serious questions. Um, but still, uh, yeah. no I, I took it very easy. Awesome. Yeah. I took it. I shared it. Not sure. Well, I can put it in the show notes. It's good. Yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm only going to run it till um, tomorrow before I, I leave. I just wanted to do a quick or to uh, probably till tw- like I'll, I'll let it run for 24 hours and see what okay. happens. And, um, you know, it's just just a quick, quick run. Yeah. Um, so and, and I'm curious, you know, another thing is, you know, people should really kind of get uh, accustomed to is. Uh, if you don't know, ask. And if you, you know, there's no, there, there really shouldn't be any shame in not knowing no. something, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about engaging with lawmakers. Um, the the system of engaging with lawmakers is not intuitive. Um, there, 
<laughs> there are there's there's protocol and and all kinds of stuff and uh you know what 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 it what does come naturally to people is you have an opinion about something and you want to voice it yeah. the the difficult part is is navigating the the system you know to go through to make your comment most effective sure. um so uh it is absolutely no surprise that that most people in the United States are um, somewhat uh, in the dark about engaging with, with lawmakers. Well, they kind of, you remember that Ted talk I shared with you a while ago, they kind of make it that way. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me about that. I need to, uh, I need to make a link about that for my thing. Well, I mean, I just talked about how hard it was to find information about upcoming legislation, how it would be buried like way in the back page of the paper, you know, and all this open government stuff doesn't, it's not really as transparent or as easy to find as you would think for the actual human being living in the 20th century. It's great for grandma and grandpa who read the full paper, but maybe you don't do that. And the government has not evolved with you which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, uh, announcements about, um, ordinances and, uh, zoning issues and whatnot were advertised in the newspaper, like sneakers, which I think yes. is the example he gave, uh, mm -hmm. you, you would ha probably have way, way more citizen engagement, uh, than as opposed to the weird classified, like, <laughs> advertisement that yeah. uh, governments do to meet the minimum requirements for notifi notification. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, once we show people where they are, you know, maybe they can change it, you know? Yep. That's the thing. Yep. Where it is, lead the horse to water, watch him drink. <laughs> Just saying. So, so that, that is uh, that's all I've got for this week. All right. Thank you very much, Alex. And we will see you. Hopefully, next week we'll be right on track. What is next week? It's next uh, Friday. Next Friday is the 21st. Okay. So, we should do a show next Friday. And yeah, we should be back on track by then. So that'll be good. So it'll be right on Friday like it normally is. Instead of awesome. Of weird off day stuff. Okay. Great. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for everything you do for us, Alex. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good rest of your evening. Thanks, you too. Thank you. I will. Um, you can get CASA's updates by going to CASA.org. <clears throat> And there should be a link that says CASA podcast. They're in reverse descending order. Um, you can get CASA updates by going to SoundCloud and searching CASA media. You can get CASA updates by going to the Apple iTunes podcast store and searching CASA media. You can import those into your favorite podcast software and they will always pop up and let you know when we have a new episode out. So you always know what the latest about what CASA is doing. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.